Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is September 5th, 2020, which means I'm on day 266 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. First up today, folks, I got a new movie review. You Should Have Left, starring Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried. Now, I ag- I couldn't agree more. You should have left the theater while watching this piece of crap. It wasn't that bad. I- I'm not going to lie. I was I was slightly into it, but it just seemed all too familiar. It was a psychological thriller dealing with a guy whose inner demons from lying constantly to himself and others over the years about the death of his ex-wife, drove him to a state of sheer insanity, which reached a climax when he visited a creepy, possibly haunted house somewhere in the middle of the UK with his wife or girlfriend, who happened to be cheating on him, which also drove him more mad. And in the end, it was basically... Him realizing he was fighting against himself in this house that at one point allowed him to see himself at different times and different parts of the movie during a timeline, almost as if, though, he was just, like, on the outside looking in, so to speak. It was, I mean, it's hard to even describe what went on during this movie, but at one point... You see Kevin Bacon fighting and clawing his way up a staircase, only to realize he's in what was explained by the creepy village supermarket clerk, a tower of terror that some people go into and never leave. And it's just, it's like a combination of multiple movies we've all already seen before, including one with Kevin Bacon, Stir of Echoes, a movie starring Kevin Bacon from the 90s that some people thought was identical to The Sixth Sense, but actually came out right before The Sixth Sense. So although it wasn't as popular, I liked it a little better, but I loved it a lot more than I enjoyed the movie You Should Have Left. Overall, I'm giving this movie a 4 out of 10 because the little girl in it is a fantastic actress. She'll be great. I actually think she might be the girl from the famous... There was a famous meme with a little girl with buck teeth that went around forever. I swear it's that girl. Either way, she's a fantastic actress in this. Kevin Bacon, always great. Amanda Seyfried... I can't tell if I think she's attractive or not, but it doesn't really matter because she's a pretty good actress. However, in this, she's a total bitch because she's cheating on Kevin Bacon. Either way, 4 out of 10. Watch it if you're bored. If you haven't seen a lot of psychological thrillers involving haunted houses before, maybe you'll enjoy this. Otherwise, forget about it. You should have left 4 out of 10. Yesterday was a great day in the NBA as I thoroughly enjoyed watching the Houston Rockets destroy the Los Angeles Lakers. 
to the extent in which, with two minutes left in the game, I saw LeBron James and Anthony Davis warming the spots that they enjoy on the bench when their team knows it's over and their coach is saving them for the next game. That is the type of game I want to see every time when I watch the Lakers play. A game in which the opposite team is winning so much that the star players on the Lakers have to sit and rest themselves because they already know it's over, even with a few minutes left in the game. James Harden had a much better game than he had before in the Houston Rockets' win to end their previous series, which proves that he is a bounce-back type player. He knows when he has a bad day. He's not stupid. He can tell, kind of like Paul George, who had a bad five games in a row for the Clippers before he finally stepped up his game and started to play. Well, that's what's going to happen now with James Harden. The crazy 35-plus points per playoff game, James Harden almost breaking Hakeem Olajuwon's record, is going to come out and you will see a victory eventually against the Lakers in the entire series. And that, to me, will be icing on the very terrible and hideous cake of a season that has been this year's NBA, where there's been the COVID-19 stopping it at the very end and then restarting it in this bubble thing with not as many games and the Blazers eventually losing to the Lakers, which hurts, and then this whole using the NBA as a political platform, which is a joke because we pay to watch you play. That is it. We don't pay you for your opinion about the president. We pay you to play basketball, and that's what we want to see. And hopefully the Houston Rockets will take care of the Lakers, which will put them in a position to play the Los Angeles Clippers, who I believe will beat the Denver Nuggets in probably five total games. I expect the Nuggets to come out, have Jamal Murray with a breakout game and or two, but either way, I expect it to be the Lakers versus the or the Clippers, sorry, the Clippers versus the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, and it looks like in the East it'll be the Miami Heat against it doesn't matter because they're going to win the East and go to the NBA Finals the way they're playing, especially with Jimmy Butler. After taking a strange 0-2 loss to the Los Angeles Anaheim Angels of California, United States, America, world, whatever they're called, the San Diego Padres came back with a vengeance against the Oakland Athletics, winning 7 to nothing, with three home runs being hit, And I have to say, they have players I've never even heard of hitting home runs on a daily basis, which just probably scares the rest of the league because the Padres are on one and they are not taking any team lightly. They are just ready to destroy people. And that is what I've been waiting for nine years to see. I cannot wait for the playoffs to begin in baseball because this time I am positive that the Padres will make the wild card 
Being behind the LA Dodgers is always a struggle. It's like being in a division with the Yankees. Typically speaking, the Yankees are the best team in the MLB because they have the most money. This year, they still have the most money, and they're not the best team in the MLB, which makes me happy. But the best team is the Dodgers, who are in the same division as the San Diego Padres, which makes things difficult for them to get into the playoffs. But they will get that wild card spot, I assure you. They have Fernando Tatis Jr., to me the best hitter in the MLB right now, tied with Mike Trout in first place for most home runs at 14. Sounds like a small number, folks. I understand this isn't the steroids era where by now players would have 20, maybe even 30 home runs. Jose Canseco, Albert Bell. I mean, losers had this many home runs back during the steroids era. But then so did great players. Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey Jr. In the end, it's all about combining your skill with whatever supplements you take that are now legal and not using steroids, which, you know, just doesn't allow for that human growth hormone gigantosaurus rex size forearms that used to be used to smash home runs with ease. It's all about ability. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has that. In fact, two of the top 10 leading home run hitters this season in the MLB are on the San Diego Padres roster. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. Test flights and a maiden voyage have successfully occurred for a plane called the Flying V, which could very well be the future of aviation. Now, this thing is crazy looking. It literally does look like a flying V because the passengers sit in the wings. Yes, the fuselage or whatever you want to call the space now where the passengers will sit. I'm not sure if it's going to have the same name considering the fact that you will be sitting in the wings of the plane which means probably more people can fit in each plane because then you'll have two sections with seating instead of one long one. And also, it is approximately 20% more fuel efficient than current commercial jets, which means there is no doubt in my mind that these will one day replace your typical airplane that we fly in today and I am freaked out about this. I already don't like the fact that when you're sitting in a window seat in a plane and you're watching the takeoff, you can see how small things become because of how high you are in the air and it is unnatural. Now, I'm not one of those weirdos who doesn't fly. I fly everywhere. I've been on tons and tons of planes, including a really small one from one airport in Alaska to another, which was freaky. But I still don't enjoy it, and I think it's unnatural, and I would absolutely prefer a Hyperloop super speed train in some sort of a pod that's running on electric magnetic flow, electromagnetic flow that just pushes you to a high speed. To me, that's still safer because you're on the ground. If you crash, you crash on the ground, and you don't drop from thousands of feet up in the sky. But this new V-plane 
or the flying V, just they they're talking about the the problems it's having right now as to why it can't move forward yet with commercial flights, and it's because of the shakiness of the takeoff and landing. Well, that's already the worst part of every flight is the takeoff and landing. And now you're saying there's a new style of plane that's a little bit worse than the ones now with the takeoff and, and you know, with the landing. And here we have this new idea that this will be the replacement plane of the future. I don't know that I want to go into the wings of a plane and have a shaky landing and takeoff. Either way, if it's more fuel efficient, if it saves the environment, if it does better for the companies that run it and saves tons of money, I mean, 20%, that's a big amount of fuel difference for it to be more efficient than current commercial airlines. So I believe that this will one day replace normal jets. So expect to fly in the flying V in the wings of a plane before your death, unless you're about... 80 years old right now because it probably ain't going to happen for the next decade. Now we all know Arby's has the slogan, we have the meats, but now they should be able to add the slogan, we have the meats that you can buy by the pound in deli style cut format. Yes, that's correct. Now Arby's is going to be selling their sliced turkey and ham by the pound. It's $4.99 for half a pound and $8.99 for one whole pound of their sliced deli meat, which just comes in a bag that says deli meats, and that's it. And you don't you don't get any accruements with it. There's no there's no bread, there's no sauce, there's no sides. You can just order the meat and then go home. And make your own sandwich. Just go to the grocery store and buy it from a deli. I mean, unless you're in a city that's so small, like a town, a teeny little town. It doesn't have a grocery store nearby. It's super far away. But they happen to have an Arby's on the freeway by a gas station or something. And that's the closer thing you live to. And you're like, man, I wish I had some meat for a sandwich. I've already got bread. I've already got lettuce, mayo, mustard, pickles, all that. But I just don't have the meat. Oh, now I can go to Arby's and get some pre-sliced deli meat. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going through the drive-thru to get a bag of meat. <laughs> this is just getting ridiculous. And apparently they're not doing it to up their sales or or do some kind of... You know, like, just distribution of extra meat that they have lying around. It's because of customer demand. They've been doing surveys. They've been asking people. And the customers have spoken. They want to be able to buy the meat and just that. I'm personally not one of those customers. I only go to Arby's once in a blue moon. If there's nothing else around and it's between Arby's and, like, three other fast foods for the most part, any of them are shitty, except for Arby's, and it's not even that great either, but at least it has something other than a nasty, fat burger that is just sitting in a steam tray all day. If there's In-N-Out Burger, 100% doing that first. In-N-Out, 
number one. It's bomb. If there's a Whataburger and I'm in Texas, yes, I'm choosing Whataburger. It seems that in any other state, Whataburgers are trash, especially Arizona. But if there's an Arby's and I got no other choice, you better believe I expect my meat to be between two pieces of bread and be accompanied by a fat stack of curly fries. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbit podcast that we all absolutely love to the highest possible degree. And that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I am going to tell you the story about when my eldest child, Claire, but at the time was not as old as she is now, wanted to go on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride in California Adventure, right across the street from Disneyland, in Anaheim. So I took her. We were at, uh, you know, we had one of those park hopper passes where we would go Disneyland for half a day and then California Adventure for half a day. Or we would stay at the hotel, the Anaheim, Anaheim Hilton, Anaheim Hilton, Anaheim Hilton. We'd stay there and we would just go to one park for one day and then go to the other park for the other day. And this was one of those times Family was there, you know, we're all having fun, but no one would go on this Guardians of the Galaxy ride with me, which used to be called, I think, the Tower of Terror, but they switched it up because that whole area and that whole section is now going to be Marvel-themed, and I could not wait to see what this looked like. Maybe I'd been been on it before, but it was like right after they finished turning it into the Guardians of the Galaxy thing, and then now the theme was all the way to where you would wait in line, and it had, it was supposed to be the area of the movie where Benicio Del Toro collects things, the collector. He collects all sorts of random organisms and, you know, things from outer space, and you're walking through... And you get to a point where they have to measure you to see if you're tall enough to go on this ride. But of course, somehow, perfectly, as we walk up, the person who's checking, you know, to see how tall you are as we enter the ride, turns their back towards somebody else, and we walk by, and I realize she's definitely not big enough to ride this ride. She was probably four, maybe not even that, maybe three, but they still let us walk by and they didn't notice So we start going through, and there's not really that big of a line because we're cruising through each and every corner and we're seeing all this crazy stuff. It's amazing the background they have in there. Just, it's so amazing to a fan like me of Guardians of the Galaxy. But my daughter starts getting freaked out. She's like, I I don't like the looks of this. This already looks scary. And I'm like, well, it's not a scary ride. And it's not like, it's not themed to be scary. It's supposed to just be, from the movie, G of the G. And so I'm telling her, it'll be fun. We're going to see Rocket Raccoon. We're going to see Baby Groot. All this cool stuff. She knows the characters. She can't wait. So we finally get to where the line is, like, stalled out. There's people there. And it's dark. And it's in, like, this basement-y looking thing that's got all these random fake pipes with steam shooting out and noises happening everywhere. It's all part of the theme. And she starts getting 
a little bit more and more freaked out. And at this point, we've already waited maybe 20 minutes. And I'm like, I I don't want to just skip this after I waited so long. And I'm going to have to walk her all the way out. And now a big line has formed behind us. So apparently, it's the more climactic time of the day for people to start riding this ride. And I hit it at the perfect time. So I'm not trying to waste my opportunity to hit this up and then have to go wait in line and maybe this time wait 45 minutes, which combined with the 20 would have been over an hour. So I'm not trying to do that. So I'm telling her just, you know, grit your teeth, man up. It's going to be fine. We'll have fun. I'll be right here with you. So she finally agrees and we get to the front. We get onto the ride itself and it's one of those big seating areas, kind of like the one they have in... You know, in uh, in Disneyland itself, they have a space tours ride. That's basically like a Star Wars ride where there's row after row of seating and people just kind of sit in this room together. Well, the Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of like that, only the actual seat itself goes up and down and then the the whatever you're facing changes based on what level of this elevator drop scenario you're on. And so I didn't know if this would mess with her stomach or not. It doesn't mess with mine. She's very similar to me. So I figured we'd be fine. So the ride starts going. And she's gripping my hand and freaking out. And then starts crying. And people are looking at me like I'm a bad parent. And, you know, it's not a very long ride. So I'm just hoping she gets through before they, like, shut it off and make us exit. And ruin this ride for everybody else who's been waiting And sure enough, she gets through crying, not hysterically, but like like I had abused her in some way by making her ride this. And by the time the ride ended, my hand had a permanent grip mark from where she was squeezing it. And I get up and I I, I grab her and I'm saying, I'm really sorry. I didn't know I was going to freak her out like this. I'm apologetic. I'm hugging her. And I look down at her seat and there's pee. Yeah, she peed on the ride from fear. And that's when I truly felt like I was just the the deadbeat dad of the year, the loser dad who forced his daughter onto this ride, the just scummy, scumbag dad of the year. I felt terrible. I was like, I just made my daughter ride this ride with me, and it's scared her so bad she cried and peed her pants. But I am one of those very prepared dads who had a change of clothes for her in the backpack that was waiting for me outside of the ride, where Ashley was. She does not go on these type of rides. She does not ride any ride unless it's super slow and boring and does almost nothing, which is basically no rides. So she pretty much doesn't go on rides is is the key. In that, uh, and you know what, I I just, I to this day, I feel terrible for what I did, but I wanted to, her to experience it to see if she could withstand the movements up and down, if she's one of those people, she was not, I think it was actually the thought of really being in a spaceship that freaked her out, I think the background and everything, she really thought we were like, flying around, doing some crazy stuff, I think nowadays she would realize that it's all fake, and maybe just the movement would mess with her stomach a bit. It, it even messed with mine. Because it does shoot up and down multiple times. If you're one of those people that can't take it, then you can't do this right. 
I can take it. I enjoyed it. Thought it was awesome. The next person probably sat in a puddle of pee. I do feel bad for that. And the lesson we learned here is there is a reason why they have a height requirement in these rides. She did not meet that requirement. We were able to sneak past and Disney's California Adventure paid the price because then somebody had to go in there and wipe up pee, assuming they noticed before the next person sat down in it. Thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I hope you have a fantastic afternoon. Stay cool out there. It's supposed to be really hot, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Now, we've all been there. You must admit it. We've all had a panic attack. And that's what happened to my sad, poor little daughter during that ride. And that's what happened to me when I realized I was being a piece of crap by dragging her along with me. There is a song that I have the utmost respect for because I've absolutely had a true anxiety and panic attack in my lifetime where I thought I was going to die. And this song is called Panic Attack for that exact moment in our lives when we have that issue and it's by atmosphere. Here it is, Panic Attack. See, they could try to trick you, couldn't they? Here's something for you to make you really feel good.
Free. Call one.